Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 7, The Broken Man is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Book Club on Potion Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler at the Game of Thrones Book Club. It is not broken. It is healed. It is full. Terry Schwartz, you are back. I am back, and I miss you all so much. And what an episode to be able to talk about. We have been hounding for a Terry Schwartz (laughs) fix for so long. Well, Well, I miss everyone. I promise I won't. I will do my best to not be gone again. Okay. No, I'll just, yeah, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll make it work, but get hype. This podcast is on. The Game of Thrones Book Club is happening right now. We are talking about Episode 7, The Broken Man. A little late in the week this week. Apologies for that. I've been traveling for work. Maybe some of you know that already. Terry has been <laughs> Terry has been traveling a little bit as well. Uh, so we are now just finally getting into this at the end of the week on Friday. This is the most disconnected from Game of Thrones I have been all season long and probably in about a year, I feel like. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I like I was I'm on vacation up. last week and got back and like had this whole thing and got back well after the episode aired. Didn't even look at Twitter because like I so many lovely Game of Thrones fans uh, follow me on Twitter and love to tweet at me and have a conversation, but I kept running into this issue where people would be tweeting spoilers at me, even though I tweeted that I wasn't going to be watching it live, so I was like, yeah, I'm not Yeah, but that gets at- pushed down on the timeline. You can't blame anybody. You just have to follow your own social media embargo rules and just stay off. Exactly. That was my problem. I was, That's like, getting move. mention alerts. It's, and not, so- it's not anyone else's fault. It's on you if you It's on. Spoiled. No, I know. This is my own rule, so I didn't even look, and so, like, I was so tired and jet-lagged because I was in Germany coming back to LA and I just crawled into bed with my laptop and turned off all the lights and like watched Game of Thrones Game of Thrones sing me to sleep <laughs> it was like the lamest viewing of this episode imaginable and on that <laughs> note let's dive into this book that's book. incredible alright so on that note let's start talking about the broken man here is your obligatory spoiler warning this is the Game of Thrones book club this is where we talk about Game of Thrones from the perspective of people who have read all of the books in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire that includes any Duncan Egg novella any ancillary material, anything that Martin has published is fair game here. We also talk about previews from upcoming episodes. So if none of that is your jam, then jam on out of here. Otherwise, stick around. We are talking about The Broken Man. And there's a few other possible top stories. Like, I mean, we talked about The Hound for a hot second as a joke a few moments ago. I feel like that is in most worlds probably the top story. But Arya getting stabbed, that's a really big story too. I don't know where you want to start start here this week Terry Schwartz are you just so hyped that we can't not talk about the hound no let's talk about the hound but I think my problem is that like I'm not mega hype about it you're not mega all things considered I know for whatever reason you gotta get mega hype Terry well well first of all I already established my viewing conditions of this episode so maybe mega hype was not possible for me this but I think that the biggest talking points to come out of this episode weren't the Hound is back alive. In the episode where we find out that the Hound is fully alive, which I, I don't know, maybe maybe my like viewing lens was off. Uh, but this, may, and also maybe I thought about this theory for so long that to have it play out pretty much exactly as we all imagined and like no real uh, added depth to it beyond what like fans have speculated about sort of was a bummer to me. This is like, again, the downside of, of th- us thinking about this for so long and then having things play out exactly as we imagine. Our plus I like was straight being exactly as I imagine I'm fine with, but like, I just expected that there would be a little bit 
more to this than there was. I think that's an interesting point that's worth exploring is that like some things are happening on the show that are kind of following the letter of where you expect it to go. Like Jon Snow comes back to life. Um, you know, most people figured Melisandre would somehow be involved in bringing him back to life. And I think that there was a little bit of a feeling from some people like, and there was much rejoicing. Yay. You know, right. like it's just like a quick little hands in the air and then you move on. And really, even in the universe of Game of Thrones, most people seem to be pretty chill with the fact that Jon Snow came back to life. Um, I think that similarly, maybe a little bit of the stuff that's going on here with the Hound, you know, this is something that had been theorized among book readers for a long time. There's the chapter in A Feast for Crows that takes place on the Quiet Isle, and there's a grave digger there, and he has a little bit of a limp, and he's gigantic and really strong, and a lot of people figured that's the hound good for him he's found some peace obviously we see at least in the show's version that peace that peace does not last for long but maybe it does just feel a little bit expected but then you say the r plus l equals j thing like you're going to be fine with that playing out i don't know i mean i think that i will also be fine with it i didn't have a problem with the hound i wasn't underwhelmed by the hound i was kind of just like all right sweet this is happening. Now let's mosey. Let's see where the story goes you know, next. What Something you just said sort of triggered, because I, I couldn't quite put my finger on what didn't sit well with me, but I think we, the way you described it made me realize what it was, which is like the, the Grave Digger storyline in the books is something that you so easily could mix miss. It seems like such, you know, an aside, this hidden little tidbit of like a happy ending, maybe for this character. And maybe Sandra Clegane comes back and does, does something more with his life. Maybe there, you know, is a significance to him not being dead, but, but it's such like this beautiful thing that you could miss. It's just through Brienne's eyes. She has that great Septon Maribald side story that like, I think, you know, I at least have come to appreciate a lot more over the years. Uh, whereas in the show, it was just like, Oh, he's back with like, you know, some pomping and circumstance. And then he has this whole arc in one episode that, you know, seems set up to, to, for the failure that it eventually has. And right. now he is, you know, reinvigorated with a search for, for justice. And someone brought up to me on Twitter after I had sort of voiced these complaints before where they were like, you know, yes, he has to you know take his weapon back up, but from a completely different perspective than he was before. And I'm like, yes, that's interesting. But I guess I don't see, like, I liked that storyline when it was just a little aside and side note. And I don't necessarily understand why, other than the fact so many people like the hound on the show this is going to be an a or even b storyline now well i think the thing is we don't know where martin's story is going you know we don't we don't know what martin has planned for the hound i've been of the camp of like i really hope that's it i hope that george r martin just reintroduced the hound for people with keen eyes uh people yeah you know people who can who can see this people who will talk this through and realize oh man sandra colgain found some peace good for him i hope it stays that way This being Westeros, it often doesn't stay that way. And there are two fully unpublished books left, at least in the series. Um, Totally possible that Martin is reintroducing the Hound in the books so that he can come into play at some point. Maybe he is going to reunite with Arya. Maybe something else is going to happen. I have a little bit of a theory that will float out in a little bit. But I think that the Hound being back in the mix in the books 
as a major player or a major ish player is not off the table. We just don't know. That's the, you know, that's sort of the crossroads that we're at here with the show. And it's where we've been for a while now that the show is seemingly going rogue at points and doing things that maybe won't happen in the books or maybe they will. And maybe, you know, poor elder brother, poor everybody on the quiet aisle. Maybe all these people are going to be toast and the hound is going to pop up in somebody's storyline and relay that information. And that's what's happened to me. And here's where I've been. And here's what I'm about to do now. I think it's not impossible that the hound is going to be pushed into some direction of violence in the books, which would be such a bummer because it's so nice that he's doing well, but maybe he's not going to be doing well forever there. That's true. There's no such thing in happiness and, as happiness in Westeros, it seems, at it's this rare, point in time. Yeah, and it does seem like, you know, Brother Ray in the show and, you know, Elder Brother Septim Maribald's like idea of this, you know, happily happy little aisle, this area of peace and rebuilding. It doesn't seem like Westeros is ready for that yet. So we can easily see um, that's that happening to the storyline in the book. Uh, disappointment aside, a lot of interesting stuff here, um, especially the fact that like the Brotherhood Without Banners came back for the first time in forever and came back in a pretty villainous way like clearly their motives have changed a lot yeah the brotherhood the of banners what is your deal guys well and i do like want to brotherhood point out, of boners right now these guys <laughs> like suck the, the guy who plays lem like posted on twitter that he would be back what is it is it it's next episode right yeah it's next episode and then if you look in the yeah, pro- overlooked stories that that's lemon cloak that's lem who is you know kind of a minorish character in the books but he's you know the guy with like the lemon hued coat uh cloak which is you know what he's wearing on the show he's a founding member of the brotherhood he comes to right. possess Xander Clegane's helmet at one point in a feast for crows i believe so maybe that's some foreshadowing of where that encounter could go on the yeah. show yeah, that's true. And but if you look close in the promo for next week's episode, no one, which now is like two days from now. <laughs> I know, very but uh, soon. sorry guys, um, but it certainly looks like the hound is like attacking uh, Angway. Ang- angry? I don't Ang- know. Don't angry. Whatever his name is, I-, I can't pronounce it. I can spell it for you. Uh, but yeah, so so it does seem like he's gonna go straight to them. People were hoping maybe this would lead to a Clegane Bowl this season. I still not sure that's gonna happen. But the show is giving us any- everything else. Uh, my question for you, Josh: Do you think if we're getting the Brotherhood without banners, we're getting Lady Stoneheart? Yeah. So this is definitely something that I wanted to get into. And is it, was that a yes for gonna make? Or yes, we want to talk about it. Well, let's talk it through. You know, let's (laughs) let's talk this through right now, because while you were away in Germany the other week, Stephen Fishback joined me here on the Game of Thrones book club. And he was like dead set. The backfish was was really convinced that Lady Stoneheart is coming onto the show like that, like like almost thought it was ridiculous that I didn't think it was going to happen. I And I just, I felt like, you know, that carrot has been dangled in front of us before. And like, there have been right. opportunities for that to happen in the past and it hasn't happened yet. And to me, it just feels like, okay, so that means it's probably never going to happen. And whatever storyline Lady Stoneheart is needed for in the books can be accomplished in some other way on the show. I still feel that that's very possible. I still feel it's a strong possibility that we will never, if, if not even maybe if a pro, you know, a probability, like a likelihood uh, that we are not going to get uh, Lady Stoneheart on the show. That being said, once again, here we are in this moment of like, I feel like we say it every season, like if Lady Stoneheart's <laughs> going to show up, now is the time for Lady Stoneheart. 
And I do think that we could be seeing like a crooked brotherhood under the influence of like some real batshit, vengeful, crazy Lady Stoneheart, Catelyn Stark gone mad. I don't think it's impossible. And I do think that that could be like, you know, a final reveal of the season. And I hate that I feel that way because I'm setting myself up for such disappointment. But I do think that the reintroduction of the brotherhood in this way where they are being such douches uh like strikes me as like there must have been a regime change over there it can't be Beric Dondarrion so if it's not Lady Stoneheart somebody else is in charge yeah I agree and and you know a couple seasons ago when we were talking about that in season four and like we were like are they gonna do it are they gonna do it uh and then since season three since season three yeah and they didn't like there was a time when I was excited for it I think I'm with you where I'm like it definitely seems likely it definitely seems like they could doing this but I'm not really excited anymore in fact I feel like every episode that just sounds like an overall problem Terry yeah yeah. maybe I'm just tired I need to work on this you've been traveling the world you've been seeing new places there are certain things I'm excited about my though is that first of all every single episode there's been the past few there have been things that were like oh they aren't going to do this and then they do you know we got cold hands we get we get the hound back and all this stuff uh but lady stoneheart when she happened in the books was such like an important moment for that storyline for the reader like she was the literal embodiment of revenge in a book where all you wanted was revenge because so many bad things happen. And after the red wedding, even after Joffrey's death, which was like a good moment, but still it wasn't quite enough. So to have Lady Stoneheart at the end and know she's out there, even if she's not that much of a main storyline to know she is out there killing some phrase and like, and just getting cold blooded revenge was a great feeling. I feel like we have those characters now on the show. I feel like at this point in the storyline, we don't need that character in that way. And for them to do it now, first of all, it would make sense in the sense that, you know, they didn't waste their reveal that resurrection can happen to characters we love on they did it on Jon Snow. They, right, they did which is do what it they're on saving her. it for. Yeah. So now maybe it could be the reverse thing where they're like, oh, we did it with Jon Snow, but we can do it with her too now. At the same time, think about how many characters we thought were dead who came back to life this season. At a certain point, it just stops meaning as much. You know, and and I think maybe they're just bringing back the Brotherhood now to to dot some T's or dot some I's and cross some T's. Lower, and, lowercase J's, yes. Yeah, lowercase J's, exactly. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I just, I just feel like now isn't the time for it, even though it seems like they could be setting it up and maybe wait until next season or, or maybe just don't do it at all. And I came to terms with that a season or two ago. I know. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, just, there are other things I would much rather see. Give me more like not even meaty brand flashbacks, but you know, I don't, I don't think we got a chance to talk about the the sequence where you know we saw um jamie kill king heiress and like all that like give me those moments those are the things i get excited about i am excited for the payoff of whatever we see with the tower of joy and brand storyline and what they're doing there i just i do feel like they're just cramming so many fan servicey things in that at this point i'm not even counting like free pies off the table 
Mmm, fray pies. Sounds delicious. They came off Manderley a couple times. But I mean, I do I do think, you know, we, we checked in with Walter Frey. We went to House Frey. Wouldn't that have been a great opportunity to be like, why are my children going missing? Like, where's where's my nephew? Why are all right. these people dying? And like, they could have started setting that up a little bit more, I think. I mean, there have been some Brotherhood name drops along the way this season. But I think that they really could have leaned into that more. And I totally hear what you're saying. Like, I moved on. I thought that we were never getting Lady Stone heart i thought that that was definitely off the table probably like i don't know i mean there were points along the way where it was like maybe like you know season five's finale being called mother's mercy and season four is being called the children and you keep yeah. thinking and you know this is this is all information that came out since the last book club the names of the next three episodes are now out there this upcoming week is called no one which is awesome the mm-hmm. week after that is called battle of the bastards which is awesome that- that's I am so excited. Get about. hype! Get hype! Get, that I am excited. Get about. hype! Get mega hype! Uh, but the fi- the final episode is called "The Winds of Winter," which, which is, is mega, 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 mega hype. I you, couldn't even say all the megas. That's you, how hype this. Can you believe it? Get mega hype! The Winds of Winter is coming in 2016. <laughs> Just not the way we expected. But, but oh, it cut so deep. <laughs> I know. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I know you're so emotionally fragile these days, Schwartz. So I gotta gotta rein it in. But, but all that being said, like you know, it was like, like it was those finale episode titles where you're like, is this where Lady Stoneheart shows up? The Winds of Winter. I mean, that would be you know, she's you know not a Stark by birth, but like that's a crazy time for for Lady Stoneheart to show back up potentially. So. I don't know. I I hear what you're saying completely. I do think that there's some setup on the show right now where if they were to do it, I think that they could find a way to make it make sense. Do we need it? I don't know that we need it, but we also don't know where that storyline is going in the book, so maybe we do. Um, And in which case, all right, bring it on. The other thing is, if you get Michelle Fairley on the show in zombie cat mode and we are now suddenly staring in the face of Lady Stoneheart on HBO's Game of Thrones, you can't tell me that's not going to be an awesome moment. Okay, yeah, that'll be awesome. I just hope she has to like stick her fingers in like blah, 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 to make herself gross, talk. Blair, Blair, oh my yeah. god, it would be so. It would be so. Just yeah, I can, like they just gotta spread it out. They gotta make me like appreciate it. They can't just keep giving me these things every week. Um, well, here's the thing: if Lady Stoneheart doesn't show up in season six, she's never showing up again until season seven, when there's an episode title that makes <laughs> us think Lady Stoneheart is showing up. <laughs> Stone of Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has got to be the episode, and then they don't do it. Uh, yeah, it's like Stoneheart's bane. <laughs> I will ask you: like this, the title of this episode is "A Broken Man." Were you disappointed that we didn't get Septon Maribald's broken men speech? Yes. Me too. I was. All right. So let's, we'll drill into this too. I mean, this is a very book clubby thing. Is, hey, that's a little did we know that this season would give us like, I know we've had a lot. We're like, what are we going to do? And oh, it's been was, great. Oh, there's so much more than ever. Oh, it's been really fun. <laughs> it's, it's been really fun to pick these things apart. But yeah, so this is, you know, for people who just listen to the book club because they, you know, want to listen to more Game of Thrones stuff, don't necessarily read the books. Uh, it's great to have you here. I'm sure you're confused often. Um, so here's what we're talking about the broken man's speech is a speech that's delivered somewhere in the middle, you know, middle-ish of A Feast for Crows, which is the fourth book in the series of A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin. It is a speech, um, it's a scene, really. It's, you know, sort of an exchange between this character named Septon Maribold, who is this former warrior, we come to learn, who is now reformed and religious and devout, um, who is traveling around the Riverlands with Brienne of Tarth and Podrick Payne and this real jerk named Heil Hunt. Uh, and they are on the hunt for 
for Arya Stark and Sansa. Brienne is trying to find them to no avail, and we certainly know that they are not going to be found because Sansa is in the Vale, and Arya is in Braavos. But she is going around, she's looking for them, and they stop for like a campfire, you know, a campfire side chat, and they're talking about the outlaws that are rumored to be lurking around and causing so much mischief in the Riverlands. And this character, Septon Maribold, talks about, yeah, outlaws are dangerous, but you have to pity them too. And he starts talking about the broken man uh, and talking about all of these horrible atrocities that this, uh, you know, this character he refers to as the broken man, which is really representative of just like everybody who is thrown into war or, you know, somebody who's impoverished and is tossed into this promised opportunity and glory and form, uh, fame and fortune and all this stuff and just goes to hell and back in hell again. Um, and it's a really beautiful piece of writing from George R. R. Martin that really I figured if this episode is called The Broken Man, it's going to make its way onto the show. Ian McShane, who played the character Brother Ray, and really Brother Ray, we could have gone with like Brother Egon or, yeah. or Brother Winston. <laughs> Brother Vankman, yep. Brother, Brother Ray. Ray. That's, Brother Ray. That's where we're going. Anyway, it seems to be some sort of mishmash of Septon Maribold and this other character named the Elder Brother, not named Ray. That guy is named Egon, Elder Brother Egon. Um, and he, he uh, you know, this character we expected would kind of be the one who gave the broken man speech and would also, who the Elder Brother is in the book, is the guy who kind of has nursed the hound back to health. We don't realize that until you start reading between the lines and it's not as obvious in the page as it is obviously on the show because you have to reveal that stuff visually. Um, I really, I was so sad that we didn't get the broken man speech. And as much as I love Ian McShane, there's just a little bit. The speech he gave was good. It was like, it was written by, by Brian Cogman, who's one of my favorite people who work on the show. And And he's, you know, a huge fan of the books. Yeah. And I think that was his nod to it. The speech that we did get. uh, I think the name of the episode being the broken man was a nod to the broken man speech. Yeah. But that being said, like that's, it's a really powerful piece of writing. And I encourage you, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about and you haven't read it, it's, it's spoiler free and you can just Google like broken man speech. Uh, And I think it's considered some of George's best writing too. It's, you know, it's, it's really impactful stuff. And it's one of those things that, you know, you read through Feast for Crows. The first time I read it, I was like, Oh my God, when is stuff going to happen? But then you go back and you read it and you, you see these things and, and they're just really meaningful and a really interesting commentary. So, I mean, I think the show is trying to do it as much as it can with 10 one-hour episodes a season and fewer looking ahead. Uh, but, but it is a, a shame to see some of those corners be cut when there is an opportunity to sort of elevate Ian what it's and Ian McShane, come on! Uh, Ian McShane, shame, shame. Because uh, I love Ian McShane, but it was just a little too Al Swearingen for me, I thought. I thought that the yeah. character, I felt like the character required a softer, gentler touch. You know, I I don't get too hung up on the book differences very often, but I didn't love, I didn't love this. I thought that, I thought that they had, you know, one of those moments that is just like such a beautifully adaptable moment that, granted, going through that whole speech would probably be about 10 minutes, but it's really, you're sitting down with that passage in the book, and when you let it soak in, it's like a real, like, whoa, I know kung fu type of moment. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a real, it's, it really catches, you know, causes you to stop breathing for a minute. Like, it takes your breath away. And I just don't think that the show gave us, even in its version of that speech, didn't give us 
quite enough. Um, Especially with the juxtaposition to what happened with the Brotherhood without banners. It's murdering them immediately. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, dude, you're living in a fairy tale, and oh, no one is surprised that it doesn't actually happen. It doesn't, that it's destroyed by the end of the episode, right? So I think that is part of why it all didn't quite work for me. That being said, I was just looking at the screen being like, Rory McCann, I am so happy you're back with my Game of Thrones. Oh, like, yeah. He is just one of those actors that elevated everything about that character, like him, Jerome Flynn, Ian Glenn, you know, these are even Pedro Pascal when the Red Viper was an amazing character. Anyway, these are people who made those characters pop and made them better because these were the people playing them. And I, I am happy for that reason that he is back on the show because that means we get more Rory McCann. It's awesome to have him back on the show. Uh, we could, we, you know, I could talk for a long time about the elder brother or elder Egon stuff, you know, like I don't, I don't care so much about that. We, we could, you know, it's, it happened. It's fine. It's whatever. Maybe um, we'll get the North Remembers speech in some capacity. Maybe, maybe. That one's shorter. Probably, probably <laughs> it's so much shorter. Probably not. Probably not going to get that. Um, that being said, I, I, you know, how can you not get mega hype? That the Hound is back and the mountain is in King's Landing and a lot of this talk was the gods aren't done with you yet, Sandor Clegane. That means it, it might not be trial by combat and I don't think it will be trial by combat, but the Hound and the mountain are going to live long enough to kill each other and that's going to be incredible. Yeah! How is it, how is it not going to be incredible? I am more hype about the Clegane Bowl video on YouTube that's, like, my favorite thing than the actual idea of them doing that. Oh, my God. I'm going to get so much hate. This is going to be, like, as bad as the Santa rape episode. I'm oh, no, Terry, no. You're the don't worst. go back there. Don't Terry, you're the worst. We hate you. Don't you suck so much. Don't go back. Um, don't make me cry, Internet. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's so many theories that I love in the show, but Clegane Bowl has never been at the top of my list. We're coming. That's wild. We're actually happening. That's I'd rather insane. get fray pies. I'd That's rather insane. get fray pies. Fray pies, you can have those as well. You can have your fray pie and eat it too. Give me give me fray pie set dressing. Don't even put, just have three pies on a table. All it's right. all I, like it's easy. It's easy. Just give me that one game. Fair enough. Fair enough. We could try and work that in <laughs> in the future. Let's write to our congressman. No, but I think that like, you know, I I have never been firmly on the train of Sandor Clegane will be the Faith Militants champion. Like that has never been my my thing. I've seen it like I think that there have been moments where it could have gone that way. I really don't think it's going to go that way. I think that this whole trial by combat thing is not going to happen. I don't think that we're going to get it. I think that's too easy. I think we've seen enough of that stuff. I think that even if it were to take place, I think the mountain goes in, rips somebody to shreds, and lives to fight another day. He and does what- pop ahead, as we saw in an earlier. It, cer- it certainly looks like it. It certainly yeah. looks like by the end of the preview for episode eight, like it looks like he's got that Faith Milton by the head and he's like, just going to do a red viper on him. Yeah. Can't wait to see that trick again. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you. I, I think that the, it won't end up being a trial by combat because the High Sparrow is too smart for that. Well, I think beyond that, I just think that I think that it's hard to imagine how the Hound gets there in time for that, how all of those stories move into place for that to happen. What's not difficult for me to see is the Hound is now in the Riverlands. He could somehow link up with some other characters that are either in the Riverlands or heading to the Riverlands or are now heading back to King's Landing <gasps> or are heading What if he north. gets back to Sansa? I just had that thought. That would be wonderful and not impossible. I mean, Brienne is headed to the Riverlands. And oh what God. if the Hound meets up 
up with Brienne and they have some sort of reconciliation where he's like, you were right to do what you did. I was wrong. You have Sansa Stark. I want to fight with you. I want to help you. I've changed. I think we still need to fight, but I'm not a total D-Wad anymore. And what if Brienne is like, all right, let's give it a whirl. Okay, that let's, got me hype. Let's see. That got you mega hype? That got me mega hype. All right, hype. get mega hype. I think that there are ways to bring the Hound into the main story. And then to tie it back to Clegane Bowl is the mountain could get let loose. You know, he <laughs> I could, love how you say that. He could, he could, <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> you know, the mountain could get unleashed. He could destroy King's Landing and then he could leave King's Landing and destroy some other stuff. And there's only one man who can stop this mountain <laughs> and it's the hound. So like the clan bowl doesn't have to be in a freaking arena. The Riverlands could be the arena or just, you know, some field can be the arena. And all that the clan bowl to me is, is the promise that the clan brothers have to either end each other or Sandor has to end the mountain. Lord knows somebody has to. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, this line from brother Ray, the gods are not done with you yet. Sandor Clegane really says to me, and this whole episode being about like violence is a disease. You don't stop violence by spreading the disease to me. Sandor could at one point in time interpret his purpose as I have to stop death. And that could be twofold. One, which is the really get mega hype idea of him going up to the wall and fighting white walkers and joining in on that battle. And the other one is stop my undead brother from killing so many people, <laughs> you know? So I think, yeah. I, I think that Sandor Clegane being back on the show could have a couple of different purposes. I think it's only a good thing that Rory McCann is back in the mix here. Hopefully we get a reunion, not just between him and Sansa, but Arya as well. As we're starting to bring stories together, I think it's cool to have him back on the board. I am mega hype, and I hope that you all get mega hype as well. I am interested to see where it goes. But I, I do want to segue us. I want to let us travel south to King's Landing, because let's talk about the King's Landing storyline for a minute. I, just a minute. Just a minute. That's all it gets. Well, what I was going to say is that this is a storyline that hasn't gotten me super excited at all this season, really on any level. Of all the storylines, there were other ones that I liked a lot more than that, and it always sort of ranked toward the bottom of my enthusiasm level. But that being said, I don't know if there's any storyline I'm more interested in seeing how it pays off. Because, you know, we mentioned it could be the Trilight Combat. It could be a Click Gable. It could be the High Sparrow pulling a, a twist, pulling a fast one on everyone. And in this we see, because we're sort of wondering what is Marjorie's deal, and she gives this rose, the Rose of High Garden, to her grandmother, seemingly to symbolize, I'm still fighting for House Tyrell. But where is Lancel? What, or sorry, where is Loras right. right now? And, and Tommen is now, like, fully in league with the High Sparrow. I have no idea how this is going to wrap up or what direction it's it's going in. And I could see this be the season that we lose Cersei. I could see that going Whoa. south. I like we're at that point and and at a certain point things can't keep working out the way that we want them to. And But wouldn't that feels- be working out exactly the way so many people want it to? So many people <laughs> would love to see that. I mean not it me necessarily, like it be, but it feels like it would be before her time, right? In my opinion, um, so I am I am very interested to see where that goes. Even if week in week out, those aren't aren't the storylines that I'm most excited about. What do you think? Yeah, no, I've been saying for a while that I think the King's Landing is going to get destroyed. 
Uh, and I think that Cersei will be at the epicenter of it. And I think the mountain will as well. Uh, and I think that we, I thought that we were heading there in the episode where Marjorie and Tommen accepted the faith into the crown, like when they married the faith and the crown together. I thought that that was where it was going to happen instead of that sort of bloodless resolution. I thought that that was going to be blood in the streets. I still feel like that's got to be coming up. I still feel like something really has to give. The preview at least promises that the, the mountain's hand is going to be on a faith militant member's head. And you got to imagine the next move is squish. So hopefully there's going to be a little more squish in, uh, you know, beyond that moment. But I think I think that that's a really interesting point that I know the High Sparrow storyline hasn't been doing it for everybody. And it's, you know, been kind of the opposite of doing it for many people as well. I know it's been a frustrating story for some people, but I do think that the payoff and the resolution could be enormous and catastrophic and really, really sizable to to talk through and to and to watch see how it all plays out i don't i'm i've kind of given up guessing where it's going to go Um, i have a weird theory for you oh i'd love to hear it okay so first of all i have to tell you with that brand like super fast montage of visions a couple episodes the one that we saw uh jamie kill king harrison i like went through like three or four times. I screenshotted every single frame I could get so I could puzzle it apart. I was so excited. I'm like, I love this. I love this. And, and something that you find. Well, something that's interesting in there is showing all the wildfire. And there's a shot that shows like the wildfire uh, going through a corridor, like being set right, alight. And right. I wonder, Cersei, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Cersei knows that's down there. What if she burns them all, burns them all? Well, that would be crazy. I mean, (laughs) it solves her problem. That would be wildfire. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible. You know, you have to imagine that... There's only so much Game of Thrones left, and you know the economy. Keeps landing anymore. <laughs> you know, the, well, the economy of screen time. I mean, it's like you. Yeah. You don't have. You know, there's certainly some things that I think that we're gonna see on screen where it's like, do we need to see that? You know, when we go back and do the post mortem on the whole show once it's all said and done. But I think that a lot of this is precious screen time, and you're not going to use that precious screen time on nothing, especially in those brand flashes. So why is the Mad King on the show? Is it, is it to signify that Daenerys is going to go ahead and lose her mind as well, as many people have started to, to, started to think that maybe that's where we're moving toward, especially with kind of her rousing speech at the end of that episode? Is it because we are foreshadowing some sort of wildfire destruction of King's Landing. I think that that's definitely possible. Um, I, I don't know how it happens, but I mean, I have been thinking about it in terms of like some sort of bomb is going off in King's Landing. And I didn't mean it literally when I would think about it that way. I just meant it in terms of like some nuclear level event is going to happen there that is going to destroy the capital of the Seven Kingdoms and really shake things up. And a lot of characters are either going to be dead or in very drastically different places when next we see them. And what if that's fairly literal? What if it's yeah. just King's Landing gets napalmed with wildfire? It's possible. I mean, I, I just, I came up with that theory today and I'm, I'm bored with my own theory. So I, like it. I think that could certainly be a, an explosive way to end the season. It would be wild fire. 
<laughs> can that be? Can hashtag wildfire be our uh, our hashtag? I feel like that hashtag is in use. But at any no. point, you would like to send that hashtag to at Terry underscore Schwartz. Feel free. It'll make her day. It'll make her day. All right. Uh, we should talk about the Arya thing, I think, a little bit more. Uh, we haven't really talked about it at all. Arya is stabbed by the end of this episode and tossed into a river. I guess she jumps into a river and is last seen bleeding throughout the streets. So RIP, Arya. That's definitely the last time we're ever going to see you, and you're totally dead now. Yeah, she's, like, totally dead. I'm this is sort dead. of like when Brienne was hung at the end of Feast, when you're like, mm. Oh, you're not but, dead. Yeah, but even then, like, that was Brienne. Like, you, Brienne could die that way. Arya is not dying this way. Arya is definitely not dying this way. And I'm almost, I almost watched that and I was like, why include this relatively short scene in this episode instead of just holding it for later? Uh, I did, like, in terms of um, shooting, I loved what the director, Mark Myla, did with uh, just Arya walking through the streets of Bravo's bleeding and no one doing anything. I loved that sequence. But overall, I think everyone, like, again, this is what I was talking about earlier. In a, in a scene or in an episode where the hound comes back and Arya gets stabbed seemingly to death because stomach wounds are pretty fatal, um, like, everyone's talking about Leanna Mormont. <laughs> like right. no one's actually talking about those big things. Um, so I think that was a bit of a misstep. What do you think about this theory that, well, there are two. One. So first off, I just okay. need to put it out there that I haven't been reading much about Aria theories right now. Oh, okay. What I know is there are apparently a lot of them and some more out there than others. So how about yes, because you? Because everyone's like, there's no way right, right, this can course. actually be what happened. Uh, well, or at least that it's not going to be final. But you, you tell me, tell me what you've been hearing and I will gauge likelihood of these things shaping out based on just hearing them for the first time. Okay, well, first of all, I will say that I think that it probably played out pretty close to what we saw play out. That she was stabbed and it was by the waif and she's been thrown, you know, she's often on her own bleeding out and that's all. Maybe she had a contingency, but I think that that was Arya and I think that was the waif. I agree. So so one theory I saw was that it was actually Jacken as Arya. And people were like, oh, where's Needle? Like, oh, all this other stuff. Uh, the other one. That kind of robs the moment of some, you know, some impact. Yeah. It's like, why, why are we? Yeah. Why are we seeing that? Why do we need to see that? Yeah. And then the other theory that is much more out there, but also way more fun, is that Aria, that the Waif is another personality of Aria's. Right. And that when the Waif stabbed Aria, she was killing the Aria Stark inside her so that no one could emerge. Dumb. <laughs> sorry i'm sorry if anyone really likes that i just i think that so the wave has just been a projection the whole time i guess yeah, yeah. i mean without getting into spoiler territory for anything else other than to say that that is something that happens in some movies and some shows and some books and some other forms of fiction i just don't like it here i just think that you know aria has been engaging the wave too many times. I think that that would be such a drastic thing for Arya to be like showing up in scenes with Jake and Hagar as the waif. That means that Arya is so far gone. And I don't want to think that she is that far gone. I think that that's too far to take her. Uh, yeah, I think the reason why people were excited about this storyline is it seemed like she was coming back up yeah. where she is. Yeah. Um, one thing I do like, and this was sent my way by Antonio Mazzaro, who did a great job filling in on the live show this past week for me while I was gone, was this idea. Um, this was posted on Reddit. He sent it to me, and it basically boils down to what if Arya passed the test? 
what if, um, you know, Jack and Hagar tasked Arya with assassinating Lady Crane and saying, like, uh, you know, either way, we're going to have another face on this wall. Don't let me down. And she goes and she sees Lady Crane. And Lady Crane is this great, terrific actress who seems like a good person as well. Um, she, Arya, ends up kind of gaining some empathy or expressing some empathy toward not just Lady Crane's performance, but also the plight of Cersei Lannister losing Joffrey the way that she did. Maybe that her rejecting the idea of killing one of her enemies is a real sign that if she's not quite no one, then at least Arya, the vengeful Arya that came to Braavos, isn't fully there anymore, and that that is passing the test. And furthermore, the theory kind of posits that Lady Crane herself might be a faceless person. Um, oh, that would be cool. And the way that Lady Crane, first off, faceless people are fantastic actors. Uh, so that would explain why Lady Crane was such a great actor. Right. Um, and on top of that, there if you, if you go back and you re-examine the scene with Lady Crane talking to Arya, a lot of the phrasing of questions, it feels like the game that they play in the House of Black and White where they tell people stories and you have to respond with lies or suss out the truth. And it even ends with, what's your name? And Arya says, mercy. You know, she passes the test by not saying Arya Stark there. So maybe this is Jack and Hagar's test to see, like, how much of that Arya is still in you. You pass the test. That being said, the waif fails the test because Jack and Hagar says to her, all right, but, you know, don't let her suffer. Uh, you know, gives the waif the green light to go out and kill Arya. Don't let her suffer. And what do we see the waif do? We see her gut stab Arya. We right. see her stab her in such a way that Arya is believably wandering around Bravos, bleeding out because this is going to take a long while to die from. That's a very painful wound. Right. So maybe what's going to happen is Arya links back up with the house of black and white. Jack and cures her takes punishment out on the waif. The waif is the one who failed and Arya has passed her final test. Do you think that there's anything to that? I love everything about that. Yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, that would be cool. I think that that would be fun. I think that that would be a good resolution to this. And like now, like Arya's faceless training wasn't for nothing. You know, she now is a faceless man and maybe has a little bit more agency in being a faceless man. I think one of the things that would suck about it would be she is supposedly on her way back to Westeros. And you got to imagine that that gets her closer to linking up with all the other Starks who are congregating in the north. I'd really like to see Arya get there. So it's like I, there's things I like about about that, and there's things I like about her passing Jack and Hagar's latest test, if that is indeed where it's going. I agree with that. I, I, that's another storyline. I'm interested to see where it pays off because, you know, it, some storylines like John and Santa all season has been paying off. Every single episode, you're like, this is worth my investment. These other ones feel like longer plays, but I get, we're, we're getting towards the end. And I'm really interested to see how it all ties together. Yeah. Um, elsewhere on Essos, the Greyjoys are hanging out in Volantis and Yar. I loved that scene. Yar Greyjoys just going to Bangtown. I love that scene a lot. And I, I love, what, what does she say? I'm going to go F the T's off of that one. Yeah, basically. And like, I read Not a, the lowercase like, J's. <laughs> I read a really great piece on Vulture about that scene, how like why it, it works so well is because it's not just that she is hooking up with a woman. It's that she is acting with that female prostitute 
the way Tyrion would or uh-huh. Bronn or any of the men who we've seen do that. And so that feels like a really nice moment. Um, and, and, you know, I love that we can look back at this season for all that its flaws it might have and say they, the creators, the, the minds behind it, listened to criticisms accepted it and implemented it and that's some growth i think that that a lot of the complaints that were leveled at it for you know sexism and and its portrayal of violence and sexual violence and all that i think across the board that has been resolved which is great because that means we don't have to critique it on this show we can just talk about all the other stuff i had a friend who really didn't like this scene uh really why thought that it was just like kind of shoehorned in there uh it was just like well we're just gonna you know make yara great joy like have sex with a woman that's just like we're gonna do because she's a tough chick and that's the thing to do i just i didn't see it that way i mean it's characterization of her. i thought it was good and the other thing was i and i'm blanking and maybe i'm just making stuff up but is there any precedent for this in the books about um asha Greyjoy having an interest in women or am i completely making that up is it possible that there were some allusions to this with yara earlier in the show that i'm just spacing on i don't remember I don't know. We don't need to get we don't need to get sucked into the. If someone hole. else remembers, yeah, yeah, let, let us, us know. let us know. But I liked the scene. I'd be curious to know from people who didn't like the scene why they didn't like the scene. I thought it was good, and I loved bringing Theon back to life. And I yeah, loved Theon being got like, his drink. Drank, yes. Theon, drank, yes. She's definitely, yes. She's definitely a girl you want to go out drinking with. Yeah, no, or maybe if, not. If, well, if you need a pep talk, she seems like the right person to force No, goodwill. she's like, you're going to steal all of your family's uh, vehicles, then you're going to drive across the world, you're going to, like... <laughs> go to the whore house and she's going to make you drink all of the ale that is humanly possible to drink. First of all, I will say you're going to wake up so hungover in literally like a completely different country (laughs) with no idea what just happened. And a new person again. Um, a new old person. Yeah. I need to, what happened? You look downstairs like, Oh my God, what happened to me? (laughs) I was totally wrong about them not going to Danny while we're right. I was super wrong. I apologize. It just makes sense, man. I did have a moment of panic, though, when they showed all those ships. Uh, it's like the establishing shot where they were. I was like, oh, God, please don't tell me that Euron has built his ships already. Know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's God, he's like here. That, I mean, this is getting ahead. This is getting into the, the synopses that were leaked or released or whatever. And it's it didn't it say something about Euron doing his plan in the finale? I don't know. I haven't seen that. All right. I'm going to look it up while we talk I've about it. I've been away. Anyone talk about Theon? I know. I'm terrible. So we will see. We will see where all of that is going. But uh, but yeah, I, I like the idea of the Greyjoys linking up with Danny. I think that that's potentially very, very fun. I like the idea of Yara and Danny hanging out. You said that Yara would be a great queen's hand. I don't know if she'd be a great hand, but she'd be a great captain of the Navy. So I, I'm really excited about this, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a scene between Alfie Allen and Peter Dinklage again. It's been yeah. ever since that's happened. So I think that there's a lot of great story potential here, assuming Euron doesn't get there first. Uh, and even if he were to get there first, I feel like Danny's going to be Team Yara on that issue. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's been a while since we touched, we stopped in with Danny too. I wonder what she's up to. Yeah, it's been a minute. I mean, like, it's been like a slow crawl out of Vias Dothrak. Like, it's really. <laughs> well, so much thing. happened all at once. And then it was like, oh, and now we need to wait to see what happens. Do you think that it's likely that she um, makes it to Westeros this season? No, I don't. I think it's likely that she's on her way to Westeros by the end of the season, but I don't think that she gets there, uh, mm-hmm. which is fine. You know, that's the show. 
Uh, I think that, you know, a big part of this story has been lots of separate elements coming together for the final act. And if Danny doesn't get there until the final season, that's pretty much what I expect. Um, I don't expect to see her like battling white walkers until season seven or eight. If that's as long as it goes, that being said, can we move to the North and talk about lady Mormont, please? (laughs) She's so good. She's so good in every way that she can be good. She is incredible she is somebody I who her. i want to be best friends with yeah and i think you know, there was this like meme going around being like should if she had three dragons she could have you know gotten this done two seasons ago and yeah. she, i love that <laughs> she would have she would have just rocked it so she would have just done it <laughs> what is she she has 62 able-bodied fighters that's it yeah but they're all worth the strength of yeah it's like they are the best fighters ever don't f with me people uh played by played by the young actor bella ramsey bella ramsey you are going places my friend i yes yes i am i am supremely team liana mormont uh i thought that that whole you know sequence of like let's hop from place to place to place to place and like recruit people sometimes it's working sometimes it's not we got the wild wings we got 62 people from bear island we're not going to get anyone from house glover uh it felt a little drawn out but obviously it's building us up to this moment where sansa is, battle of the bastards she oh, well yeah, yeah the sansa. battle the battle of the bastards is coming up but sansa yeah sansa sansa writes her a letter and that's got to be the little finger right well well well, first of all, my my quick googling uh, the in the finale, the synopsis says Euron reveals himself. Oh, so gross! It seems like we'll get you. Well, Put mm. your pants or, back on, or maybe not so gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true. Maybe you know, you maybe, know? maybe. Um, I like this theory for for Sansa's letter because it seems very obvious that it was written to Littlefinger. It seems like the most obvious thing. And somebody even decoded most of the letter. A, a fan who had a lot of time in their hands, but whose time I appreciate because they did this scene. It basically says what you think it says, which is like, you know. Like, you yo, command- Littlefinger, help me out, bro. No, it, well, it says, like, you command the army at the Vale. Like, you sort of protect me. You can bring them, blah, blah, blah. So it could be Littlefinger or it could also be Sweet Robin. Huh. Right? In a moment of desperation, do you really want to reach out to Sweet Robin? But you, but I don't know. I feel like she would want to do whatever she could do to sort of go around Littlefinger. In a moment of desperation, I think that you're better off calling Littlefinger than Sweet Robin. Even if you don't like Littlefinger, even I'm if just Littlefinger the out there. fed I think, you... T- sure, 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 sure. I think it's most likely it's Littlefinger, but I think the Sweet Robin theory is a good one, and I could definitely see it happen. As, as one of the leading proponents behind Sansa Stark and saying that Sansa, Queen in the North, I would bend the knee. I am all in on Queen in the North, Sansa Stark, and I've been in on Sansa Stark for a long time. I've been a huge fan of that character. She's writing a letter to Sweet Robin in her, like, <laughs> in her moment of desperation. I've got some questions for you, kid. Like, that is a move that I am baffled by. Uh, just well, they did like, reintroduce you know, him, and he got a whole scene showing, yes. like, his incompetence and blah, blah, blah. Sure, that's why I'm saying, like, he would get that back. No, I'm afraid of the Boltons. I can't go. We can't do it. <laughs> well, I think, well, I think he would do it, and he would do it for Sansa. He already proved that he would other times. I think it would just show 
to Littlefinger, because like obviously Littlefinger would be there and Sweet Rattle would probably turn to him and be like, hey, should we do this? I think we showed a hand that like Sansa's saying, yo, dude, I don't need you fully. I can get things my own way, even though you're going to be stuck having to do what right. I want you to do. Right. So I don't know. I don't know where that's going, but I mean, if it gets Sweet Robin. Do you Robin, think John will be pissed? If it gets Sweet Robin to Winterfell and gets him like torched, then I'm good with this. Oh, man. As long as Littlefinger's still alive. He needs to be alive long enough for Lady Stoneheart to show back up and eat his face <laughs> off. And then they can live happily ever after. The end. That's the end of Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's how the house die finished. <laughs> um, what, oh, the Blackfish. How have we not talked about the Blackfish? We haven't talked about the Blackfish. My only comment about the Blackfish is his armor is so cool. Oh, my God. Like the scales. And also, like, Clive Russell is so cool. And I had a chance to talk to him. Oh, Because he was on Outlander. Yeah, he was on Outlander. And I was like, hey, maybe I should ask him about Game of Thrones. Because, like, they've been dropping, you know, Blackfish comments. And And so so I reached out to him and I said, hey, Clive. Well, we we had a whole, we had a whole chat. We had a whole chat about Game of Thrones, some of which uh, you can see. It went up last week on IGN, okay, some of which sweet. is going up after this coming week's episode, since we know he's in that one as well. He sort of gave me some stuff that I'm parsing out. Um, and he brought up, like, I didn't realize how tall he was. He's like 6'6". Six, six. And then I was looking at that in this episode, and I was like, oh, my God, you are a giant human. Like, that's why you are so physically imposing. And I loved everything. I loved everything about him in this episode. Like, him sizing up Jamie and being like, eh, yeah, you didn't really live up to my expectations. Him just being like, mm, whatever, like, yeah, kill him or whatever. He's a dead man walking. Anyway, I just, I loved it all. I loved how beautiful River Run was. I loved that it felt like such a medieval fantasy when they were like walking down and doing the siege conversation. I loved that it could so easily line up with Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which was a thing that the internet did after that happened. I just <laughs> loved, 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 loved it. Yeah. I mean, I'm waiting to see where that goes. Like, I want Brienne there. I want Jamie and Brienne interacting. That's next week. I'm looking for that to be a bigger River Run story. It was cool to see the, the Blackfish. It was cool to see Clive Russell. It was great to see all of that going on. Just not a ton went on. I think that what was cool to see was just the way that it was treated with Edmer with the dagger to his throat and everything like that felt really out of the book. Ah, uh, and like the the anger on his face, the venom when he looked at Jamie and Jamie addressed him. Like I, I mean, this has now been two episodes with Edmer, the wonderful, talented Tobias Mendes, uh, who has not said anything. So I'm waiting for whenever he does speak. And I hope that it happens with Jamie because it seems like they're setting up and I could see that being a great meaty scene. Yeah, no, I hope so. It's just, it's a little slow for me right now, but Jamie literally just showed up. Great to have Braun back. Of course. Yes. Fantastic to have Braun back in the mix. Um, but I don't know. I, I, TBD on, on, on this one for me. There's just not my- a lot to sink my teeth into with this one yet. Other than I could uh, – another point in the Lady Stoneheart column is, yeah. you know, Jamie and Brienne are headed that way at the end of A Dance with Dragons. Um, we now know that the Hound is after the Brotherhood. We wonder how Jamie and Brienne get out of that situation if they get out of that situation in The Winds of Winter. Could the Hound – arrive in that storyline and save them somehow in the books. And that is part of the reason why the hound is now let loose here in the Riverlands on the show as well. Well, my big concern with this storyline is I really love the Blackfish. I really like Jamie and I really love Brienne. And I don't see a situation where they all get out unscathed. No, someone's got to go and it's probably the Blackfish. 
or Jamie. No. Honestly, honestly. This early? I mean, you said that about Cersei. I feel like yes. for both of them, I feel like we're losing early. Lannisters this season and maybe not even as obvious as Tommen. Because, Although we're obviously losing Tommen. Come on. I know, but we, we gotta, like, gotta start trimming the fat. Even with them bringing, I think that's why they're bringing back so many characters. There's no fat on there. these Lannisters. It's all muscle and <laughs> I mean, even they got to bring back Gendry at some point, right? Big, no, last they don't. <laughs> last big question mark. Um, yeah, I could definitely see a Lannister going, and I, I think it could be. You got to lose a big character and because it's Game of Thrones, right? You can't just bring them all back. You got to kill someone that it's going to hurt all right uh, so so valyrian gun to your head is it jamie or cersei that we lose this season pick one cersei. and i will take the other cersei all right so i'll take jamie so if jamie if jamie dies then what mustache for i don't want to do a dress then you grow a mustache oh gross i can't do it and i wear a dress oh that seems easy anyway <laughs> we'll come up it'll with- be as easy as game of thrones is giving us things this season oh oh man i don't think either of those things are going to happen anyway so uh, well what happens if neither of them happen then everyone lived happily ever after yay Yay. Uh, <laughs> and how about we have people send in suggestions of what happens if, if both of our predictions yeah, are Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from people like, do you think a Lannister is going to die this year? I don't. I really don't. I mean, I think a Lannister will die this year. I think that we're still waiting for Kevin Lannister to die for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could okay. see that. Um, and oh, I, I forgot to bring up like one of the best moments of the episode when Bond cuts off. Jamie from saying Lannister always pays his debts. Yeah, that's funny. Perfect. That's Perfect. Great. Yeah, great to have Bron back. Uh, I think Kevin Lannister will probably die. I think Tommen is very likely to die. I just don't see either of the twins dying. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe one of the twins dies at the twins. Ooh, that'd be ironic. Ooh. TBD. TBD on all that stuff. Anything else from the episode that we did not touch on that you want to hit before we sign out? No, but I am really excited for everything that we have coming up. Only three episodes left, and only, then the, the long night begins again. Oh, my God. Uh, so, so, so I like I, the past few seasons, Game of Thrones, even when it's it sort of lost at the beginning of the season, which I don't think is the case this year, but like usually the last three episodes are powerhouses and uh we're getting to the good stuff i think and so too. there's been a lot of good stuff all season so i just really can't wait yeah some of the stories have been a little slow for me recently but i think that we are you know especially those and those are the stories that we're talking about like i can't wait for the resolution on like the high sparrow thing i can't wait for that pimple to pop and it looks like the Ugh. mountain's gonna be doing some popping next week <laughs> so let's, let's i'm just see. gonna be thinking of pimples gross with, with heads. all right well, get- and I will say, I will say to people who've made it this far, if you disagree with things I said, go gentle on me. Terry, Terry is really I'm, fragile right now. I'm just, I'm just a fragile, jet lagged young woman who knows nothing of your tweets. Who, who knows nothing? Who knows nothing? <laughs> so, right. so gentle on me, please. All right. Well, go <laughs> gentle and also hashtag get mega hype. Get uh, mega hype for so many things that are happening here in Game of Thrones land. We'll be back with another Game of Thrones live show on Sunday night. We'll have a Game of Thrones feedback show for you guys next week. Game of Thrones book club will return next week as well. Follow Terry on Twitter at Terry underscore Schwartz. I'm at Round Howard. Follow everything that we are doing by subscribing to our Game of Thrones feed on iTunes, postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes or postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes for our main feed. We remain the podcast awards. That is still happening. Voting is still open. Wrapping up very, 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 very soon. 
uh, I believe voting ends June 12th. If you haven't voted yet, please go do that. Podcastawards.com. If you like what we do here on Post Show Recaps, we would greatly appreciate your votes in the TV and film category as well as the People's Choice category. We will bring back some lost podcasting if we win. It's going to be very exciting stuff. We will just be very excited if we win. We're thrilled to be nominated. Thank you all for all your support so much. Terry, anything else? That's it. That's That's a wrap. That's it. Get mega hype, and we will talk to you all again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.